we go. There it is. It's starting. Hi, Matt. You haven't heard the guitar before? The steel guitar. Yeah, it's, it's the same intro. But you've done wonders to the sound. Anyway, September 13th, that's not Friday, it's Thursday. And Who said it was Friday? I didn't say oh. it. I said it's not Friday. Okay. Yeah. Um, if it were Friday... Mm. It'd be 13th. Friday the 13th. Yeah, bummer. But it's not. Uh, this is episode 10, season 9. We're getting into the end game, right? Double digits. Uh, pretty soon it's going to be season 10, but not now. We still have to wrap up season 9. Hey, we got stuff to talk about. Okay. Um, I, like so many of our listener uh, would like to know what's up with midges 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 run wild going crazy midges be crazy um not appropriate uh the midges uh, you speak of are soybean gall midge i assume and since we last spoke their activity has all but ceased um i don't i don't find them in plants anymore partly because a lot of the plants are becoming mature nearly mature so there isn't anything to eat anymore so I think combination of plant quality, course, photo period, maybe even temperatures are like all insects. It's like, hey, get out of here. Yeah. Or you're not going to make it. Yeah. I mean, this is a big thing for insects in this part of the world. They're picking up on environmental cues to trigger diapause or migration to get out of Dodge mm-hmm. because, as they say in Westeros, winter is coming. And it's uh, it's not good to be around. Yeah. So what we don't know the cues that midges respond to, but don't we know what a, many insects do? And it's things like photo period, um, temperature, the senescing plant. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about senescing plants, soybeans? This is the Soybean Fest podcast. Sure. I, what I can say is that in the last two weeks, I've been to all four corners of Iowa. Ooh. And I have seen every shade of green in soybean, <laughs> including brown, which is not a shade of green. But I've seen fields that are completely senesced. They're brown. Just they stems. are mature. Yeah, they're Just ready stems. to go. Where was that? Uh, yesterday I was down in Washington. That's so that's the southeastern part of Iowa. Okay. And again, we saw fields that looked nice and green. Yeah. Still looked healthy, full canopy, and then. You know, a few miles down the road, completely senesced. Oh, so it was incredible the diversity of um, or maturity that you could see just in a, within a county. How soon to harvest do you think? We, we saw combines out, not running, but we saw them look like they're getting tuned up and yeah. all that kind of stuff. We saw a few areas where the headlands had been taken out. I think that's when farmers are calibrating, making sure everything is good with their electronics moisture. and everything like that. Yep, moisture checking moisture levels. levels. Yeah. So we didn't see any whole fields being combined, but it, not only not only soybean, but we saw some corn that looked super brown. Really? So I wouldn't be surprised to, to see some of the corn going out if it stays dry this weekend, too. I think I freaked the graduate students out because I like, we've got to get everything out of the fields. Harvest is going to happen real quick. and They shouldn't be freaked out. We've been talking about plant <clears throat> progression being 7 to 10 days of normal. We've been talking about it all August. We have. Yeah, but, but it maybe hasn't sank in. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think what's remarkable is how early this is happening given normal years or, or in the, what, recent history, right? I mean. 
Well, I mean, German. it is September 13th. Yeah. It's yeah. not that much. I mean, we think about harvesting mid to, you know. Uh, well. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. Anyway. But the planes are maturing. It is faster, right? It is faster, but, um, yeah, we need to get our stuff out of there. Yeah, got to do it. Flags, stakes, cages, sleeves. Nothing would ruin a farmer's day more than having... Uh, tangled up wires. Rebar go through uh, a harvester. Mm, yeah. We don't want that. All right, so we talked about that. We talked about midges. Sure. Um, so uh, wait for the sequel. See what happens next year. Just wait for it. There's going to be a lot of discussion, I'm guessing, as data come in and you learn more from the fly specialist about what the exact species is that this uh, midge belongs to. Still unknown what the species is. There's one midge dude in Washington, D.C. that uh, we're working with. Hopefully we'll know more. A dude that loves midges. I mean, he's Dr. Midge. That's what I'm going to call him. And so, yeah, there's one guy that has that kind of specialty with taxonomy. He has a special way with midgets. Mm. Yes, he does. He likes those long-legged flies. Who doesn't? <laughs> and so, yeah, we were, we're kind of cobbling together some small pool, pools of money. And so we're definitely going to be working on uh, on farm and on some of the research farms next year to learn more. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, one other thing I put down on our list of topics. Um, Aaron, did I tell you I went to Brazil? Yeah, you did. Went to Brazil. Mm-hmm. I did that. I sure did that thing. And while I was there, um, I just so happened to attend the Brazilian Entomology Congress. Congress. What's that? Um, it's kind of, I think it, it's most like the National Meeting of the Entomological Society of America. Except this was unique in that every couple of years they merge with the Latin, Latin Congress of Entomology. So there were... People, entomologists, not just from Brazil, but from all of kind of South America. Okay. And so Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina. And they asked me to come down and talk about soybean aphids and what the consequences of soybean aphids invasion of the United States was for soybean production. Turns out they grow a lot of soybeans in Brazil. Heck yes, they do. And Brazil, I don't know if you've looked at a map, is a huge place. It yeah. spans... Uh, a lot of eco-regions. So, you know, my kind of limited public school education in Brazil was, it's warm, it's hot, it's the Amazon, but where I was at was south of that area in a state called Rio Grande do Sul. Sorry, my pronunciation, but um, very temperate. Um, Mm -hmm. Not unlike the temperatures and uh, climate, but not unlike what we have here in Iowa, though maybe not so cold, much more mountainous. And, um, yeah, I could see soybean aphids showing up there, although they didn't know if they had buckthorn and they weren't so sure, you know, if they did have it where it might be. Um, But it was interesting at the Congress because I was there as part of a symposium on invasive species that attacked soybeans. And the two that they talked most about were um, uh, Heliocoverpa armidra, the old world bollworm, cotton Mm -hmm. bollworm, which, despite the name cotton bollworm, is more than just a pest of cotton. And it's uh, polyphagous, feeds on a lot of things, including corn and soybeans. And they were reporting um, outbreaks of this in Brazil. They have for several years. Uh, one real challenging thing is that it looks an awful lot like Helicoverpazea, 
And there is corn earworm. Yeah, there's real subtle morphological differences that you you have to like basically pull legs off and measure little extensions. Um, the best way and the way that they confirm the existence is with molecular markers. And they have a group out of Australia with CSIRO um, that has helped them confirm the existence of these populations um, in that southeastern region of Brazil. So that was one. Uh, the one that I thought most interesting was uh, given um, your work uh, with tracking the uh, soybean gall midge is the soybean stem fly. This is a invasive in Brazil, um, Melanogromiza, Gromiza? Ah, I can't pronounce Latin. <laughs> they should have never let me be an entomologist. It uh, is key. What's that? But they don't teach it anymore. It, it would be nice to know how to pronounce things. Um, soja. it's the soybean stem fly. It's an agromyzid. So your midge, I think, is a cecidomyid. Yeah. This is an agromyzid. Different families, uh, clearly different species, but uh, some similarities in the way they attack the plant. The stem fly, wait for it, guess where it feeds? Top. In the stem. (laughs) Top of the stem. Yeah, they feed down the stem, and um, they get, uh, from what I could understand from the talk, they get a couple generations, and boy, is it hard to manage with insecticides. It looks like the seed treatments really don't do much. And it's tricky to f- apply foliar insecticides because I think like your midge, this stem fly is tiny. And turns out there's other flies in the fields. And Anyway. Um, yeah, I think we have an, a, a, a few of those flies in that family. Um, they would be leaf miners. So we have some in soybean and some in corn. I've never seen them get into stems of either corn or soybean, but you can see like the they leave like trails, yeah, you know, like feeding yeah. trails, but it hasn't become more significant. It's, it, you know, it's kind of spotty. <coughs> if we were to get this invasive uh, and it gets into soybean, that'd be a whole different thing. Yeah, it'd be a bummer. Mm-hmm. And it looks like from the work that they presented, um, they've confirmed with molecular markers, DNA barcoding, that this is the species. Um, there have been efforts in Brazil, well, throughout the Americas, to keep this species out. Um, it's on quarantine lists, and um, you know, there's, there's efforts to prevent it from getting in and establishing. And there have been populations that have shown up before in Brazil, but they've disappeared. Unfortunately, since 2015, 2016, it looks like they've got an established population mm. um, that, that's causing problems in certain you know, kind of small areas. But you know, like any invasive, you worry that it's going to spread and cause more trouble. So, Yeah, I think our Midra is on the on the short list of potential invasive pests into North America, specifically United States. And so um, I think there are some surveys going on just to help with like first detection mm-hmm. in, in the U.S. because it does, because it can spill over to corn and soybean. So it's it's on that APHIS hot list or whatever you call it. Yeah, and APHIS is Animal Plant Health Inspection Service, which is part of our federal government that does a remarkable job. I mean, it's a it's a tough job tough trying job, to yeah. track these and keep them out. And mm-hmm. you know, without that, boy, it is it would be miserable living in a world with all these invasives coming in. Uh, even worse than it would make farming even harder than it is right now. Yep. I mean, the economy and climate change. Um, one last thing, 
I talk about is uh, it was remarkable to me in Brazil how in the in the meeting how um, more tools they have how many more tools they have in their pest management toolbox there was a company um, that had a pretty big presence in the kind of trade show area ag biotech that's out of Australia but sells products um, related to pest management insect pest management uh, to Brazil these are uh, baculoviruses that are formulated for spraying kind of like a living insecticide to counter um, a couple different uh, leps um, armyworm, fall armyworm, and spidoptera, the green clover worm, which are big time, did I get that wrong? Did I get the common spidoptera, name? Spidoptera, I think, is armyworm, frugiporta. Yeah, did I just say the same name twice? Yeah, and the um, green clover worm, I can't remember what the genus is, but yeah. But yeah. Green clover worm Caterpillars. and fall armyworm. Yeah, but uh, those are two big pests down there, and um, yeah, they showed, they were, you know, showing that these products can work and have a place. It was just interesting to me because that's not something I think our growers in this part of the world have uh, commercial access to. But then we don't have the let pass that, that they do down there. Well, if you're organic, you would have access to foliar BT or leps. Full, right, right. But, but it's not on a, on a widespread level, but th especially if you have like sweet corn, uh, I think that's what people are using. The BT. Mm -hmm. right? Foliar so, BT, yeah. but not some of the viruses that yeah. you talked about, yeah. Um, anyway, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> one kind of side uh, point about that is I got the card from the guy, and he has this little identification chart, and uh, he kept referring to, um, yeah, it's really effective against the snakes. And I was like, snakes? What do you, what do you mean? And he's like, uh, plus he had an Australian accent, so it was a little bit, and I was like, I finally said, are, are you calling these caterpillar snakes? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, man, I call them snakes. <laughs> I was like, is that a thing down here? Is that, a, you know, do Brazilians refer to these? Things? No, no, it's just my own thing. <laughs> I was like, do, do people generally follow you when you refer to the, you know, the last instar of uh, H. Zia as a snake? And he's like, oh no, mate, but I've got it on my card. And look at that. Does it make Large you Large snake. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that. But I, our our colleague Brian McCormack at Kansas State has been looking at some of the foliar virus viruses uh -huh. that you can use on lips, and I think he is working with Australians, so maybe that is the uh -huh. same company. But he did a couple field days and said the efficacy is fantastic, long lasting, oh, really? and yeah, he is he's very excited about it as an alternative option to synthetic insecticides. That's the sound of me nodding my head, going, "Wow, that's really cool." Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some uh, happy news, especially given that. You know, we see more and more reports of insecticide resistance, so it's nice to be... It's nice to have an option. Yep, yep. Anyway, that was interesting. Um, it's kind of like the options, though, may not be as cheap. Did you hear about the new Apple? <coughs> oh. The big one that's like the size of your face is is like $1,200. <laughs> it just came out yesterday. $1,200. For, for a phone. The, the, the cheap economy model, yeah. 750 <laughs> it's a cheap crappy apple you know you know what my daughters are not getting for christmas <laughs> whatever that x thing is the size of my face mm. well they can just see my face they can get the four and be happy <laughs> i think we've uh mm. covered everything sorry about that slight diversion no, yeah no. Mm -hmm. yeah Got to keep on trucking. Hey, look, let's wrap this one up. All right. Hey, if you want to find more about what we're doing, and we're doing so much. Aaron, you're doing so much. Google soybean entomology. You'll find us. 
Aaron's going to be Twittering at you, at Aaron W. Hodson. That's Always be tweeting. Never not tweeting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us, and why not? Please do. O'Neal, O-N-E-A-L, at isday.edu, or look at that, E-W-H. Those are just your initials. Yeah. At isday.edu. Come on. We have nothing better to do but drink coffee and answer emails. Subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, and cue the outro music because I think we're done, right? We're done. Dominic, if you're listening, we hope you stay safe oh, with yeah, Hurricane to, Florence. Yeah, to all of our listeners down in the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah.